We're excited about uh, this month and uh, just excited about what God's doing. And we're going to launch into uh, a new topic uh, this morning. And uh, we're going to spend time over the next five weeks here in the month of July, the first couple of Sundays in August. And uh, we're going to be talking about the, the topic unshakable. And what we want to look at is how do we remain constant in a shaky world? How do we remain constant in a shaky world? So for the next five weeks, we're going to spend time just exploring what Scripture has to say uh, to us about that. And I hope that you make sure that you join us. If you can't be here in person on some of those Sundays, and make sure you join us online. I believe God's going to speak to us. And I believe, watch this, over the next five weeks, God can speak into our lives in ways that cause us to be more firmly rooted in his foundation for our life. I don't know about you, but I want to build uh, the kind of life. I want to build the kind of home. I want to build the kind of faith that endures anything that life wants to bring against me. Amen. So uh, I'm excited. It's going to be a great time. And uh, you should be excited too. If you're not excited, then see us after church. We'll give you an excitement pill. You can take it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I want to uh, just launch into this, share a little bit about where we're going to go in the next five weeks, and then dive into what I feel like that God has for us this morning. So you ready for the word? It's been a great, uh, it's been a great time already. Somebody came up to me while I was getting ready to come up and whispered to me and said, I guess we're not doing this in 44 minutes. I said, negative. That was last week. We, we are, we're going to just, uh, we're going to see what God says. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 24. Read a few verses here and let, we're going to let this passage just kind of speak to us. I just want to bring some things out that are really right there in the passage and just take some time to teach with you. So if you get your Bibles, they'll have it on the screen for you as well. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at all kinds of things about how do we build lives off things that endure? How do we root ourselves in rev resurrection so that uh, how do we remain steadfast and fruitful in a world that's constantly changing. One of the kind of the themes that we felt as we prayed into this is that um, we're all in the midst of, in this moment of our life, everybody can relate to the fact that no matter where you are, live or what you do or everything is changing quickly. And so uh, this has been a time of just constant ever changing. But how many of you know that in order to really flourish in life, you can, you can thrive in the midst of things that are constantly changing as long as you have a few key things in your life that don't change. Wow. I'm going to say that one more time. You can really thrive and flourish in life with things constantly changing as long as you have a few really, really key and important things that don't ever change. Amen. I'm not preaching yet, but that's pretty good to think about right there. So, I mean, there's lots of things in my life that might change rapidly, change quickly, but there's got to be some things that don't change. Amen. 
And so uh, as, we, as we dive into this, we're going to try to shine a light on some of the things in our life that shouldn't change, that remain constant. We sang about how God remains constant. How many of you know if you're becoming like God, then there's a becoming that means I'm always growing and changing, but there's also a constancy that means I'm becoming more and more like God. You know, it'd be amazing if all the Christians who declared how faithful God was would get a little bit more faithful themselves. And if you've been walking with God for a long time, he ought to be rubbing off on you a little bit. Amen. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 12 because I'm getting tempted to just chase all those rabbits. So we got five weeks and so we'll get to explore a lot of things. Let's listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Verse number 24. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape, or who refused him, who spoke on earth much more, shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven? Whose voice then shook the earth But now he has promised saying yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. Amen. That's just good all by itself, isn't it? So we're going to talk this morning. It's unshakable. But this morning we're going to talk about what to do when the world is shaking. What to do when the world is shaking. Lord, we ask you, thank you for healing. Thank you for moving. Thank you for touching our lives in worship. Thank you for being present with us today in this service. We acknowledge your presence. And Lord, now as we come to your word, we ask you to continue speaking to us. Open our hearts. Let us hear your voice. Uh, Lord, let us say what you're saying nothing more, nothing less. And we thank you, Lord, that we'll be changed as we listen to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We all know what it's like to be in a shaky moment. If you don't know what it's like to be in a shaky moment, then just keep on living and you'll experience one. You're probably in kindergarten. And so we'll get you through that and you'll experience one. But how many of you know we all know what shaky seasons feel like? We know what it's like. The interesting thing about Scripture is that Scripture uh, speaks and many people find Scripture valuable because it speaks so well to the shaky moments of our life. But one of the things that you may not have noticed is not only that Scripture speaks so well to those shaky moments, but Scripture was actually given in shaky moments. 
sometimes we have this idea that the people who got Scripture, who heard what God said and wrote it down, were like, you know, at a vacation resort, you know, at a spiritual retreat with some director and in a peaceful place, and they were in this perfect kind of wonderful environment where they could hear everything that God was saying, and then they wrote it down for us so that we, when we go, but actually if you pay attention to what the authors of Scripture are doing, it's really encouraging to me to know that they were actually in the moment, in the middle of a shaky moment themselves, and then they found uh, some kind of way to write what down what God was saying down so that 2,000 years from then, we could still be benefiting from it. But it's fascinating to me to think about the fact that Scripture was given in shaky moments. That may make more sense about why it does such a good job of speaking to shaky moments, and it also might have something to say to us about our own shaky moments. Are you with me? So, I was tempted this morning to, uh, to draw your attention to several things about this passage, but I'm going to do my best to resist those temptations and, and not talk to you about uh, Abel and Abel's blood. This passage begins talking to us about how Abel's blood spoke from the ground. You remember in Genesis, Abel's blood speaks, cries out from the ground. And God says, I hear the voice of your brother's blood crying out from the ground. You remember that? And so you had Cain who killed Abel. And then the Bible says that Jesus's blood speaks of better things than that of Abel. So um, it's, it's just interesting in this passage that we begin having blood speaking, but then the, the verse tells us at the beginning of our passage, be careful that you do not resist him who speaks. And so when it talks about him who speaks, we know it's talking about Jesus. And the letter of Hebrews does a lot of things for us, but one of the things that it makes crystal clear to us is in the very beginning, in the first verse, in the first chapter of this great book of the New Testament, it tells us that God has been speaking over many, many ages through many, many people. God's been speaking through the prophets and God's been speaking through the fathers. But in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son. So if we don't know what God is saying, what we can be sure about is that what God is saying looks and sounds like Jesus. One way to say that is that, you know, uh, we, we, we live in a bilingual home at my house, and so that makes things more exciting. You know, you should try that. You ought to learn a language and speak two languages in your home. It's just extra. You get like double the words you want to use in any kind of situation or environment that you use. You get multiply the words you can use. So, you know, you can speak Spanish. You can speak English. You can speak Greek. You can speak whatever language you want to speak. But how many of you know God has a language? God has a language and God's language is not Hebrew. It's not Greek, you know, it's not certain language like that. But here's the best way to think about that. God has a language and the language that God speaks is Jesus. So for 4,000 years, God's speaking to people. He's giving them the law. He's giving them the prophets. He's talking, 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 talking. And there's a language barrier. 
There's a language barrier because God is eternal. God is divine. God is beyond all human capacity to understand. So he's talking, talking, talking. And we're just, how many of you know the problem wasn't on the talking in? The problem was on the listening in. So God would say one thing and we would hear another. And then God would say one thing and we would hear another. How many of you married folks know how that could work? You got a married couple speaking the same language. I mean, you ain't even got two languages in your house. You both speak English. You spoke English from the time you were a toddler. I say one thing, you hear another. I ain't got no help in here, up here all by myself. And, and I think God can relate to that because God's talking, talking, talking. Here's what I'm like. Here's what I want my people to be like. Here's my plan in the earth. Here's how I'm going to do it. And on the listening in, on the receiving in, God would say something. We would hear another. And finally, God said, I'm going to deal with this language barrier because every time the divine speaks, the human can't understand it. So God said, in order to solve this dilemma, I'm not going to just continue speaking in divine ways to humans, but I'm going to become a human so that when I speak, it's not only divine, it's also human. And I'm going to give them something that forever and ever they can always look to so that they can not only clearly hear what I'm saying, but they can receive it because it's going to come through the God-man, Jesus. In these last days, God has spoken to us through his son. We don't have to be confused any longer about what God is like. We don't have to be confused any longer for about what it looks like to be a faithful follower of Jesus. We don't have to, uh, to be a faithful follower of God. We don't have to be confused about what it looks like to be a son or a daughter of the living God. No longer do we have to live in confusion about that. All we have to do is remind ourselves that God is like Jesus. Jesus shows us exactly what God is like. And so Jesus is the better able. And Jesus is the true older brother Cain. And Cain founded a city by taking his brother's life. You remember this. So Cain kills Abel. He runs off. And the next thing he does is he founds a city. This is what Genesis tells us. And so that's trying to tell us something, that the way humanity began to operate was by establishing civilization by taking their brother's life. So then Jesus comes as the true elder brother, and he founds a new kind of city. And the book of Hebrews tells us that the city that Jesus founded is an eternal enduring city. You got to catch this. This is worth your time. It's an enduring city. So that means that every other city and every other nation is a non-enduring city or nation. Doesn't matter how good it is, how blessed it is, how wonderful it looks in the moment. What we know about it is that it's passing away. 
but Christians get the wonderful opportunity to hitch our wagon to the enduring city that the Bible calls the kingdom of God. The reason this city is different is because Jesus founded it differently than Cain and all other men who founded civilizations. He didn't found it by taking his brother's life. He founded it by laying his life down for his brothers. Y'all got to catch that, right? So then Jesus says, I want you to begin to be propagators, to begin to be multipliers, to begin to be expanders of the city that I founded at Calvary. And I've showed you how to do that. You do that by laying your life down one for another. And Jesus told his disciples, they will know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. So when we start laying our lives down for one another, laying our lives down for our brothers, for our neighbors, for our communities, we are not only just doing good things, we're literally expanding the kingdom of God. We're literally enlarging the eternal enduring city that is the kingdom of God. Now, the thing that makes this a little more complicated is that we have to live in two cities at the same time. And so the passage in Hebrews chapter 12 is explaining to us what it's like to live in two cities at the same time. So you get two cities, you get two citizenships, you get two nationalities, you get two of everything. You're like a dual citizen. I mean, you got, you're like Jason Bourne. You got like a bag full of passports. Are you, are you with me? But one of those passports is most important. And the book of Hebrews is trying to explain to us what's going to happen is that one of the cities, one of the citizenships, one of the nations that you live in and identify with, it's nothing wrong with being a part of that, but it is going to get shaken. It's going to get shaken. So what do you do when it gets shaken? Well, according to this passage, that's when it's really important to remember, that's not the only thing I'm a citizen of. In fact, that's the least important thing I'm a citizen of. What really makes me who I am is that I am a citizen of an enduring city. I am a citizen of a city that is not passing away. So when the earthly citizenship or the earthly society gets shaken, I get to remind myself, well, that's wonderful. That's where God planted me. That's where God placed me, but that's not who I am. Who I am is a son, a daughter, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. It is never going to be shaken. It is never going to pass away. It is going to remain forever. And so watch what happens when I do that well, then I'm surrounded by a bunch of people who are rattled by the shaking, but I have something deeper in my life that allows me not to be scared of the shaking. 
Because shaking is a scary thing. It's natural to be scared in shaking. If you've ever been in a building that was shaking, I hope you were scared. But Christians ought to be different. They ought to be supernatural in this way that when the world starts shaking, we don't get scared. So what God would love for it to happen is like what Paul and Silas experienced in jail in Acts chapter 16 when they were in jail and God's voice started speaking. There was an earthquake and everyone was scared except Paul and Silas because Paul and Silas knew where the shaking came from. They were praising God at midnight, opening up the heavens. God's voice began to speak. It caused shaking in the earth and all the prisoners and the guards began to ask Paul and Silas, why aren't you scared? Then they were able to say, well, we're not scared because we know where the shaking came from and we're not going to be shaken. We're not going to be taken. We're not going to be messed up unless God allows us to be. And we trust God. They said, well, tell us about this God. So while the earthquake's going on and walls are falling down, people are getting saved. And then Paul and Silas say, I guess we ought to leave now. Uh Are you with me? So there's an opportunity for us to be distinguished as the people of God in shaky times. And so the whole letter to the Hebrews is written to a bunch of people who are going through extremely shaky times. And one of the themes that comes through is that we, you have this opportunity as Jesus followers to shine like stars in the night. How many of you know that sometimes God lets some stuff get shaken up around you just so that he can show off through you? But if the shaking messes you up so that you can't pay attention to what God's doing, then you'll miss God's opportunity to do what he wanted to do in the midst of the shaking. Amen and amen. So I'm going to give you a few. I'm just going to teach through this passage. So number one, you can write this down. I think they're going to put it on the screen for you. Watch this. Very important. Times of shaking do not inhibit our ability to hear God's voice. They enhance our ability to hear God's voice. Now, I'm just telling you, this is how it's supposed to be. So when we look at the passage, we begin to understand, watch this, if you could kind of, maybe you got your Bible open, you got your phone open right there. It just says right there, it says, um, he, he keeps promising yet once more, I'll shake. And then don't resist or miss or refuse him who speaks. Now, I want you to notice a correlation here, and then I'll try to make it even a little bit more plain to you. There's a correlation between God speaking and the earth shaking. I didn't think that was really that deep or complicated, but I'm going to say that one more time. God speaking, earth shaking. Are you with me? So that means if I'm on earth and it is shaking, then that ought to give me not a less opportunity to hear God's voice. It ought to give me an increased opportunity to hear God's voice. You with me? So actually, it might be that what's causing the shaking is actually God speaking. Okay? So... Let me show you this um, shaking 
may not, is not a sign that God is not speaking, which is what your natural mind would often lead you to believe. You know, you talk to somebody that's going through a shaking time in their life, and I'm not trying to glamorize this. Shaking times are no fun. I'm not like looking for them, right? I'm not like trying to go to the shaky theater and find a, an experience, right? But whenever they happen, they're no fun. And our natural minds would tell us just to try to, you know, survive however we can. The, the natural mind doesn't just kind of take you into, well, let me hear what God's saying right now. I'll hear what God's saying when I get through this, when I get over this, when I can get through a normal place. But shaking is a sign that God is speaking. It's not a sign that God is not speaking. So anytime, I mean, if you ever happen to live in a time like where a global pandemic that the every nation of the world was affected, I would describe that as a shaky time. I mean, like not for your neighborhood or your street, but for the whole planet. I mean, I'm just saying like, maybe we ought to take a clue when the whole planet gets shaken by something. Maybe we ought to just go, well, maybe God's trying to say something. Maybe, I don't know, just maybe. Maybe we should try to tune in a little bit here, right? So I'm not going to purport to try to tell you everything that God's saying right now. All I'm trying to do is get you to kind of like, you know, be like your dog when he hears somebody at the front door. That's really what the goal of this message is, is to get you more like your dog. When your dog, somebody rattles the front door, they go, right? I think that's a, that's a great posture for Christians. It's just that, that's how... That's how Christians ought to be. Like anytime something starts shaking or they think there might be a chance God's speaking. That's what I get worried about. See, I'm becoming one of these Christians that walk with God for multiple decades. Sometimes we're like a deaf dog, you know? And, and God wants us to have those kind of like, you know, like if you blow a dog whistle, dog's like, huh? nobody heard nothing. But dog's like, huh? That's what mature Christianity looks like. Oh, what? What was that? Was that God? Did God say something? Can I find? I love the idea that following God is sort of like being a dog, you know? I love that. One, One guy that I really admire, I was reading his biography and he described it like this. He just said, I always kept trying to pick up on the scent. Pick up on the scent of what God was doing. Pick up on the scent of God's presence. And, and so this is uh, Eugene Peterson. He, he just, that's how he described how he followed God through his life was just kind of stay on the scent. So you ought to just be, I mean, this isn't even my notes about dogs, but I just feel like somebody's going to get blessed by their dog when they go home. It's like, you ought to just be, a, was that, is God leading us that way right there? Is that, is that, a, is that a door that, do you think that God might be uh, opening a door? Do you think that God might be wanting me to bless my, my neighbor, I don't know, I, I smell, I sense the fragrance of Jesus somewhere and I'm going to stay on the hunt until I find what God is doing in this moment of my life. I thought I heard something. I thought I smelled something. I thought I saw something. You said something and something leaped on the inside of me. I'm not going to pass that over. I want to find God in this moment. I sang it in church. He's in the middle. He's in the present. I'm not going to let God be captive to my past or captive to my future. I'm going to be a person who finds God in my life in this moment. Psalm 29, verse number 8 says, The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. It shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. Did I tell you there was a correlation between God's voice and shaking? 
The voice of the Lord makes the deer to give birth and strips the forest bare. This is a fascinating little tidbit, but it says it shakes the wilderness. And then it says it makes the deer to give birth. In the Hebrew, that's the exact same word. Shake and make give birth. Now, I can't explain to you why that is, but Hebrew is just that kind of language. You just got to get, you just got to roll with it. When you're in Hebrew, you just got to roll with it. Okay, whatever. Shaking the wilderness, deer giving birth, same word. However y'all got that figured out, I have no idea. But I think that there might be something that God would say to us through that if we hear God's voice in the shaking, because hearing God's voice allows you to conceive then we can conceive what God is doing and give birth to the new thing that God is speaking in the earth. So if I can be this kind of extraordinary person who learns how to try to listen to God in the shaky moments of my life, then I can start conceiving things that other people aren't conceiving. I can start imagining possibilities that other people aren't imagining. And I can become like Mary who says, you know what? I'm just going to say, let it be done unto me according to your word. Whatever you want me to give birth to, whatever you want me to bring about, I want to find a way to enter into that. So the shaking is connected to God's voice. Number two, we got to move a lot quicker. You guys got to do better listening. Come on, you got to listen faster. Amen. Don't fear what's being removed during the shaking. Don't fear what's being removed during the shaking because the passage, I'm just going to let the passage preach to you. The passage says that whatever is being removed is something that ain't supposed to remain anyway. So if you go through a shaky season and you feel like you're losing stuff, if you're following God, you can be sure whatever I'm losing, it isn't required for God's purpose for my life. I might have liked it. It might have been good. It might have been a relationship. It might have been a job. It might have been some opportunities. But if it's removed in the shaking, according to the book of Hebrews, I'm not going to need that in order to be who God's called me to be, in order to accomplish what God's called me to accomplish. Everybody else might have thought that that was the worst season of my life, but I'm going to keep on listening to the voice from above who says this might be the best season of your life. What if you were holding on to something that you thought would get you to your destiny, but it was actually something that was holding you from your destiny? What if God, in order to get you to your destiny, had to remove something from your life? I know we like to talk about God the giver, but I want to remind you that every now and then God loves you enough to be the remover. Woo, somebody needs to hear that. If God is letting something fall out of your life, you need to just say, baby, let it fall. Let it shake. Let it rattle. Let it roll. I'm going on to the eternal things. I want my life built around things that'll be here 20 years from now, and I want them to be here for eternity. If it falls out of your life, then you can know that God said, we don't need that right now. 
I thought I was going to have that job. I thought that was my income. I thought that was my resource. I thought that was my, my source. But God says, well, that was the problem. It was your source of peace, and it was your source of security. But I want to be your source of peace, and I want to be your source of security. So because you confused it with me, I'm going to let it get shaken out of your life. Don't fear what's being removed during the shaking. All right, we're going to go a little further. Number three, times of shaking are times to grow in grace. Right out of the passage, just letting this passage talk to us. Amen? So this is what the passage says. It just says that what we can do is we can show grace. Well, you talk about standing out in the world. Man, I wish I could... Really drill this in. You talk about standing out in the world as the people of God. Just start going through a major shaking and then just start showing grace everywhere you go. You want to stand out at work? Just be the grace person. Just be the grace dispenser at work, right? Everybody's going through, you know, everybody's going through a hard time. Don't know how they're going to make this quarter. It's going to end and we're not going to make our numbers and this. But you just throw in grace everywhere you go. Just grace, grace, grace. Gratitude is another word for grace. Just being grateful. Boy, I sure am grateful. I really am grateful. I'm just blessed. I'm thanking God. What are you talking about? This is the worst year we've ever, I know, but I'm thankful that God's with us. I'm just grateful. God's been good to me. God's going to take care of us. I just want to say I'm grateful for you. Grateful for you. Grateful for that mean old nasty boss. Grateful that tanker co-worker, grateful for everybody, just grateful to be here. Show grace. Show grace if you want to stand out. Show grace if you want to be unshakable in a world that's shaken and changing all the time. We tend to move toward fear and self-protection. That's the human tendency, right? Fear and self-protection. Stuff starts shaking, just start, get your stuff. Where is it at? Well, protect it, keep it, watch it, hold on to it. But according to this passage, Jesus' people, what did Jesus do in the shakiest moments of his life? Grace, grace, blessing, giving. Hey, guys, come here. Hey, guess what? They're about to crucify me here in about 24 hours. Y'all gather around here. Let me bless you. Take this bread. Take this wine. Let me speak a blessing over you. Y'all sing a song right here. Just want to bless you. What'd you say, Jesus? They're going to crucify you? Have you ever seen a crucifixion? Come here. Let me just bless you. Why? Because Jesus' people find a way to be channels of grace. If you look at the life of the apostle Paul, he's in the midst of persecution. He's in the midst of despair. He's in the midst of dark times. And he's just continually finding ways to dispense grace in his life. Amen. Amen. We're getting really close. We're almost done. So the world responds to shaking with fear and self-protection, but we respond to shaking with grace and self-giving. Amen. Now we get to the end of the passage and to the end of the message. That's how that works. See, I just, I'm just obeying the passage. That's all I'm doing. Just obeying the passage. End of the passage, end of the message is what we're going to do. So he says, so then if we, if, we, if we really move in grace, then we're able to serve God, watch this, with, with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. Now, this is a passage that just for me, for just to be honest with you, I feel like the Lord's really helped me to understand this passage a whole lot more than when I did 
you know, a long time ago or when I was a kid, you know, if you just heard that phrase thrown around in church, I mean, you could, you could just imagine all kinds of different things, right? You know, like if your teenager was doing things that you didn't think they ought to be doing, you might just want to throw out our God is a consuming fire. Just throw it out there, you know, just put it on the refrigerator that week or something, you know, and just see if that kind of helps, right? So there's a lot of ways we can understand this passage, but I want to try to, I want to, try to suggest maybe a new way uh, of understanding this that I, that I think is, 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 really, uh, is really there if we'll find it. So here's, here's what I think the passage is saying. One of the ways we could say this is that, number four, if you guys put it on the screen, when we walk in the fear of the Lord, the fire of God is nothing to fear. When we walk, now, I'm going to take just a minute and talk about this phrase or this word in the Greek. And I hinted at it earlier in the message. But this word that is translated in this passage as godly fear is, um, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's really, the word fear in the English language is really not the best word for this Greek word, okay? Now, there are other words in the New Testament that maybe need the word, English word fear, and it captures what it means. But this word's only used twice. Both times are in the book of Hebrews. And um, what this word really conveys is a sense of alertness. And so when we say the fear of the Lord, in that sense, or when we say godly fear, if you look in other translations and other passages, I, I invite you to do that. And uh, you'll see that many other translations will, con, will, will, will communicate this in a different kind of a way. But if we, if we go back to my dog analogy, that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about a hyper-awareness, a hyper-sensitivity to what we're sensing or seeing or feeling or hearing from the heavenlies. Now, there's a, a, a passage in the Old Testament that I want to show you as we conclude that just kind of illustrates this, and I'm going to read it to you. It's out of Exodus chapter 24 and verse number 18, and then, and then we'll, we'll conclude our time. Exodus 24, 18, and it says, And to the eyes of the sons of Israel... The appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. Now, so you got to get this picture. They may not have that on the screen for you, but I'll just give you a picture. So Moses is up here on the mountain, and there's a big cloud on the mountain, and there's fire, and there's all kinds of, you know, earthquakes. It's shaking, burning, rattling. And so the children of Israel are down here at the bottom of the mountain. And so what the Bible says is that to the children of Israel, the sight of the glory of the Lord was like burning, consuming fire. But Moses is up here on the top of the mountain, and he's like looking, and it's like this big cloud and the glory of the Lord. And I want you to hear what the next verse says. It's one of the most, I think it's one of the most fascinating kind of narratives in the whole Old Testament. Listen to this. Children of Israel, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. Moses entered the midst of the cloud as he went up the mountain. So you got a whole nation of people down here going, well, there's God up there. It looks like a consuming fire scaring the literal, you know, out of us. And here's Moses on top of the mountain. And he's like, 
I think I'm going to go in there. Everybody else is like, oh, Nelly, we got to back up out this thing right here because this is nothing good going on here. But Moses is like, Moses is like that dog. Moses is like, wait, wait a minute. Hold on a minute. Because see, Moses remembered something that happened a long, long time ago when he was in the desert. He saw a bush and it was on fire and he went home. And the Bible says Moses turned aside to look at the bush. And when he looked at the bush, the bush spoke back and he said, you're on holy ground. So Moses learned something in his life that when God starts shaking and speaking, it may be strange. It may be cloudy. It may be uncertain. It may even feel scary. But the thing to do is never to run from the fire. The thing to do is always run to the fire. Y'all ain't helping me, but I'm going to keep on. Because Moses said, hold on a minute. I recognize God is up to something in this place, and I want to be in the middle of what God's doing. So what that means for me and you is that in our lives, even when it's uncertain and confusing, we've got to develop the habit of hyper alertness and hyper awareness that whatever I sense God doing. Whenever I pick up on the scent, even if everybody else's inclination is to run away from it, I'm going to step into it. And if I could take the whole letter of Hebrews, it's actually telling you whatever you see Moses doing, if you think that's good, just imagine what it's like for us because we have one better than Moses. We've got Jesus. So if Moses can step into a cloud of the glory of the Lord, Jesus people ought to always say, you know what? God is a consuming fire. And because God is a consuming fire, I'm running without an ounce of fear right into the flames of God because he'll burn up everything that doesn't need to be here. That flame will won't hurt me in any kind of way because the God of a consuming fire is the God of love. You know, I was getting ready this morning, and you guys can just come to the keyboard if you want. I was getting ready this morning, and I was just thinking about all this, and I thought about something. I thought, you know, the only thing that's not afraid of fire, the only thing that's not afraid of fire is a flame. Everything else is afraid of fire. You set something on fire, if it's a created living thing, you ain't going to see nothing just jumping in there. Start yourself a campfire, the bugs will fly out, right? Are you with me? Everything's, you, you're afraid of fire. Don't even lie. You ain't sticking your hand in there, but you know what's not afraid of fire? Just light another fire. You light another fire. And I thought about in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 1, God said, he makes his ministers a flame of fire. And then I thought, well, if he makes me a flame of fire, why would I be ever afraid of the fire that God is? Because the fire that God is, is already burning on the inside of me so I can take my flame into God's fire. It's an unchristian inclination to be afraid of the fire of God. Christians ought to be people who have been made a flame of fire. So that we say, God, if you're a consuming fire, then consume everything in me that doesn't take me into who you want me to be. So I want you to stand to your feet with me all over the building this morning. 
And I want you just to begin to let this prayer be yours, that you say, God, make me a flame of fire this morning. Lord, make me an unshakable person in a shaky world. God, make me somebody who knows what my true citizenship is. God, help me to be somebody who doesn't be, I'm not afraid if you're taking things out of my life. And God, I want to be a grace dispenser. I want to be a, a dog-like Christian that's hyper aware of what you're doing. And Lord, give me the faith and the courage to step into the clouds of my life, the confusing and cloudy moments. So come on, as we sing this right now, let's just say, let God make us a consuming I fire. Be tried by fire. Purify. You take whatever you desire. Lord, here's my life. I want to be tried. Come on, make that your prayer this morning. Just let that come from your heart. Come on, let him hear you. Whatever you desire, Lord, here's my life. If the altar's where you lead us, take me there, take me there. If what you need is just an offering, it's right here. My life is here, and I'll be a living sacrifice for you. You're a fire, the refiner. I want to be consumed. I want to be tried by fire. Say, purified. You take whatever you my life I want to be tried purified you take whatever you Lord here's my life so clean my hands and purify my heart I want to burn Church, let's just make this our prayer. Only for Come you, on, we want to be a church on fire. My life as a sacrifice. We say, Here we are. Right say, now, I want to burn. Only for you. Won't you clean my hands? Purify my heart. Say, I want to burn. I want to burn. Only for you, won't you take my life as a living sacrifice? Say, I want to burn for you, only for you. Can we sing it one more time? Won't you clean my hands, clean my hands, purify my heart, I want to burn. a sacrifice I want to burn for you only for you say I want to burn I want to burn only for you say I want to burn for you only for you 
Hallelujah. I just want to speak into a few people's hearts that I feel like need to receive something specific. You know, many of us are just hearing the cry of God and the cry of our own heart to say, God, I want to be made. I want to be purified. I want to be, I want to, I want anything burned up. And man, I invite you just to lean into that. That's beautiful. God can make something pure of your life. But I think there's some other people here. And I feel like the Lord just wants me to speak a word of hope into your heart. Some of you, the shakiness that you've been through has led you to a sense of hopelessness. And today, God wants you to know that He is the God of hope. And if you, it doesn't matter what you've done with this past season of your life, but if you'll just turn to Him, God doesn't want to give you a lecture. He doesn't want to give you a lesson. He doesn't want to talk you down. He just wants to drop some hope in your heart today. And I believe if you'll just open up your heart, you say, God, I need your hope today. God just wants to drop it in your heart by his spirit right now. So come on, church, would you just pray with me right now? Lord, I pray that everybody online, that everybody in the building that just senses a hopelessness that's trying to set in on them, we speak a word of hope that the shakiness of our world and our life is not going to rob us of the hope and the confidence that we have in God. So, Lord, I release your hope today to drop in hearts all over this place right now. You're restored. Man, I feel the Spirit of God just saying that so strongly inside of me. I'm restoring people's hope. I'm bringing it back. I'm rekindling hope in people's hearts right now. So, Lord, I just say breathe on our hearts right now. Breathe your hope right back into our lives right now. We thank you, Lord, that our hope is in you. Our hope is not in some circumstance or situation. But Lord, turn our hearts to you and let our hope be set on the living God. Let our hope be set on the risen King. So Lord, let hope come. Come on, let's say that. We set our hope. We set our hope on you. We set our hope on your love. We set our Set our hope on the one who is the everlasting. 
Lord, we thank you that we can set our hope on something that's eternal. It'll never pass away. Lord, we thank you for the resurrection power of Jesus, that our King is risen from the dead. Lord, I pray that you would make us alive, make us alert. Lord, I pray a holy alertness over this congregation. As they go into this week, I just bless you. I say God is with you. And watch this. God is speaking and God is moving. So be alert to him. Walk in that kind of godly fear. I want you to have a blessed week. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week. Love you, Gate Church. God bless you.